podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Attention Social Security and SSI recipients. If you did not receive an economic impact payment for your eligible spouse or dependents, you may need to file a 2020 tax return with the IRS and claim the recovery rebate credit. Go to ssa.gov slash EIP to see if you need to file a tax return and if eligible for other refundable tax credits, like the child tax credit. That's ssa.gov slash EIP. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Ese último McNugget me toca a mí porque soy la mayor. ¿Y eso qué tiene que ver? Los mayores se respetan. Eso no existe, ¿cierto, mamá? Ya, yeah. quédense tranquilas. Aquí hay otra cajita de McNuggets. Respeto, ¿viste? El no hay rivalidad cuando hay McNuggets deal. Hay un deal para cada salida familiar en McDonald's. Compra uno de tus favoritos, como unos McNuggets de 10 piezas, una Big Mac, una Quarter Pounder with Cheese o un Fileo Fish y te llevas otro por un dólar. Por tiempo limitado, precios y participación pueden variar válido para un producto de igual o menor valor. And welcome to the Cop Table podcast, where tonight we are previewing the Liverpool versus Manchester United game this coming Sunday at Anfield. Joining me once again is Jay Riley. You can get Jay on the Radio City Fan Friday talk show. Follow him on Twitter at the Cop HQ, and now regular with us on the Cop Table. So, welcome back on again, Jay. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks, Peter. Um... It's great, isn't it? You know, looking forward now to this game against Manchester United after beating Tottenham last weekend and Liverpool is just absolutely flying at the moment and the only team that we failed to register a victory against in the Premier League this season and now coming to Anfield and, you know, we've, we've got a job to do on them on Sunday. Yeah, and we'll start off by going back over our, our game at the weekend against Tottenham. Uh, a very good three points come away with a with a 1-0 victory, Roberto Firmino with the goal. Um, thought we played very well. Tottenham sat, sat deep for the majority of the game, didn't he, and tried to hit us on, on the, the counter-attack second half. And we, did, we was holding on slightly, I thought, uh, towards the end of the game, but we got the job done, three points. And um, just give us your thoughts on the, the performance in that game, please, Jay. Well, yeah, going into the game against Tottenham, people were, were sort of... Uh, expecting Liverpool to roll them over quite easily because Tottenham had quite a few injury issues going into the game and people tend to think that Mourinho's not the manager he once was. He's gone a little bit stale and he hasn't really evolved with the game the last, like, say, five years or so since his days when he was at Chelsea. And I, I tend to agree with that side of things with Mourinho, but one thing I did say on the podcast last week was the fact that you still can't underestimate someone managed by a Mourinho side because basically he's a spoiler, isn't he? And he does know how to nullify the opposition and, you know, stale negative football in the sense that he soaks up pressure, parks the bus. He's got, you know, the art of doing that. And I think tactically he's still quite good. It's just his teams are not what they once were of old, if you like, when he was winning stuff and he was successful winning the major trophies. I mean, you know, obviously he's won a couple of Premier League titles. He's won the European Cup a couple of times as well. But, 
you know, more modern times when he was at Manchester United anyway. You know, he only won the League Cup and, and, and the Europa League, didn't he? And they're not, they're not the big trophies no more. And you weren't really competing for them either under Mourinho. And he, he sort of like had a little bit of a hit and miss start to his, his Tottenham managerial career, if you like. I mean, they've had a couple of good wins, but they've also suffered a few, you know, poor losses as well. So, you know, it's been an up and down start for him. And they had injuries going into the game, but you always had to respect the fact that it was coming up against a, a Mourinho managed side and he would have had a point to prove because when he was Manchester United manager, you know, he lost his job, didn't he? When he came to Anfield, we beat them 3-1 and that was it then. And, you know, he got his, he got his, um, his marching orders there and he probably would have been smarting from that and wants to, you know, have a point to prove against Liverpool. And I thought in the first half, he showed us massive amounts of respect and, Liverpool really controlled and dominated the first half and they were trying to just hit us on the counter-attack. You know, pretty much uh, what I expected from them, really. Um, but Liverpool nearly scored so early on. I think it was after two or three minutes. Roberto Firmino nearly scored. And then Oxley chamberlain at the post. And we had other opportunities as well. Virgil van Dijk had a header that he should have done better, which should have scored. And... You know, thankfully we did get the goal. Fantastic goal by Roberto Firmino. Really great layoff by Mo Salah and very clever by Firmino. Quick feet and smashed it in the corner and one nil. And again, you know, we had another opportunity just before half time to make it two nil. And it was a little bit frustrating that we were actually only one nil up at half time because you were thinking, well, Mourinho's not soft. You know, he, he knows the time of day, doesn't he? Tactically and a few tweaks here and there and they could have opportunities but Liverpool did start the second half quite well and, and, and again you know we had a couple of opportunities and just couldn't seem to get that second goal and obviously when you don't get the second goal it gives the, the, the opposition that little bit of impetus really doesn't it and the chances were going to come and Liverpool made quite a few clumsy errors shall we say I think we were a little bit sloppy in possession at times and even though it was quite a good performance in patches, a few players did seem to struggle a little bit. I mean, Joe Gomez was absolutely outstanding in the Merseyside derby, playing amongst you know a lot of our fringe players and youngsters. He stood out a, a million miles, didn't he? Like defensively, he marshalled the, the back line great. But I thought he had, had a shocking, shocking game, really, to be honest, on, on Saturday evening against Tottenham, he was all over the place, his passing was off, his positional sense was poor, got dispossessed a few times, and uh, Mandy Robertson as well struggled in, in, in during the game for me, and Jürgen Klopp even said after the match, he sort of like criticised his, his performance a little bit, which is unlike Klopp really to do that, but I think he was frustrated because Robertson got into a couple of decent little positions, and he was wasteful really, wasn't he? Um, Gini Wijnaldum also got caught in possession late on in the game which nearly led to a goal as well and Spurs did have their opportunities I mean Son should really have scored and how La Celso missed his opportunity God only knows but you know thankfully he did miss and put it wide and Alisson made a couple of good saves more about his positional sense really not unbelievable saves that you've seen him make in the past but ones that were pretty much straight at him, but his positional sense is always key. With Alisson, he's fantastic, his knees always spot on, and we made a couple of good saves as well. But it would have been a little bit frustrating if we did drop points because Liverpool were massively in control in the game. I think we had 67% possession or something like that, which to go to Tottenham, who 
they're still a top side. Yeah, they had a few players missing, but still a top side, aren't they? And for Liverpool to go there on their own pitch and to perform like that and control the game for large periods, you know, it's a testament to how good this Liverpool team really is. And, you know, I think we thoroughly deserved our three points, really, and we go marching on in the Premier League. Yeah, and just one thing you did touch on there, Jay, was the... Um, was the few mistakes made by the side when Alden Henderson, but um, in his I don't know if it was his press conference afterwards or in a in a pre match interview post match interview sorry should I say, Jurgen Klopp was slightly uh, critical of Andy Robertson saying that he found himself in a in a couple of positions where he should have found a man. Um, would you agree with it with this uh, criticism towards Andrew Robertson, although it wasn't? Um, a major mistake that's cost us anything. Um, it just it, it's slightly worrying Jurgen Klopp. But w- would you agree with him on that point? Well, yeah, I mentioned that, didn't I? What I've just said there, my analysis of the game. I think Robertson at times was a little bit frustrating, but thankfully it wasn't defensively. It was more when he had the opportunity to pick up, pick a pass and pick a, a player out in the box. There was a, a, at least two, maybe three occasions where he was very wasteful with his delivery, and it's unlike Robertson, really. He's not normally like that, is he? I mean, we all know he's not quite as good as Trent Alexander-Arnold in terms of distribution. He's arguably better defensively than Trent, but you know, going forward and assists and delivery into the box, he's still very good. It's just not quite to Alexander-Arnold's level, and he had the opportunities more so than Trent did, to be honest, in this game, and, and he was a little bit wasteful at times, and it was a little bit surprising that Klopp actually mentioned him in in his after match, you know, his, the, the talk after the game when he was he was speaking about it, and you could see he was frustrated because you know Liverpool should really have been two or three nil up before Tottenham started having their chances, and it would have been infuriating if we did drop points because of the the openings that Liverpool did have and waste and. and Quite a lot of them opportunities were wasted by Andy Robertson, really. Not necessarily shots at goal, chances to score. I'm talking about picking a pass, picking the right pass and, you know, picking a red shirt out in the box in, in, in a dangerous area. And you could see Klopp was, was frustrated, really, because it was a game that Liverpool should have really been out of sight and three points wrapped up early on. And they, they weren't really. And, and that's why we were hanging on a little bit towards the end. Yeah, okay then, Jay, what we're going to do now, we're going to move on to um, some of the, to the transfer links that's been, been linked with Liverpool in, in recent days. Obviously, we don't expect too much business to be done in January, but looking towards the the summer transfer window, there's there's four names that, that I've picked out that have been um, linked with us recently. Um, first one I'm going to go with is uh, Kai Haver. It's from, from Bayer Leverkusen. Um, he had a really good season last year, didn't he? But he seems to have, have dropped off slightly with his, with his output, um, goal wise this season. So, uh, what, what's your thoughts on, on a move for Kai Havertz, Jay? Yeah, it's interesting because I think he's 20 years of age now, isn't he? And Liverpool, Jürgen Klopp's really liked him from, you know, all the time he's been at Liverpool, really, there was well documented that he's he's been to Melwood and seen the facilities he's visited and all that. The you know to see how things are at Liverpool when he was about sixteen, seventeen years of age, and Jurgen Klopp has really liked him in all the time he's been Liverpool manager. Um, I've always thought though that he'd probably more likely end up just staying in Germany and, and ending up at Bayern Munich because that's where most of the German talents seem to go. I mean, Liverpool were after Leon Goretzka, weren't they, from Schalke a few years ago and 
there was talk that Liverpool were going to get him and then all of a sudden he rocks up at Bayern Munich and I've always felt that Havertz would probably be the same type of scenario but it's an interesting one because Bayern Munich might not necessarily need him it just depends on whether they, they, they need a player of his ilk in, in that area of their team and they might deem that he's not someone that they require so Liverpool could potentially get him I mean there's talk that he's 100 million euros, isn't it? So what's that 85 million? It's probably affordable, isn't it? Really, when all things considered, especially now we're having this this Nike deal that Liverpool have got, which is I think it's around 30 million guaranteed, with the rest in sales in terms of 20% sales on stuff, and it's probably guaranteed another 30 million on top of that, maybe more upwards to 80 million pounds. So. You know, when you analyse it, Liverpool probably could sign someone for around about that figure, 80, 90 million or something in the summer. I mean, we, we all know the January transfer business is probably done now after signing Minamino. Um, but, but certainly Kai Havertz is one that's been on the radar for many years. And it's not really something that I've truly believed would happen because of the German stuff where they do tend to stay in the homelands. But, it's potential for it to happen. It really is. He's just had a little bit of a disappointing season now. I mean, I think he scored three goals in 21 games, which when you compare it to last season, I think he scored 20 in 41. So he's had a bit of a drop off this season, but that can happen because he's still only a young player, isn't he? And what I like about him, he's quite versatile, really. He's, he's a goal scorer midfielder, but he can also play out wide as well. And he's got a presence about him. I think he's six foot one, six foot two. So, you know, I don't think he'd have any problems coping with the physicality of the Premier League. And, you know, as I say, he gets goals from midfield. And that's something Liverpool lack, really, isn't it? You know, we've picked up a little bit last couple of months scoring a few goals from midfield, but we do become a little bit over-reliant on the likes of Mane, Salah and Firmino to score the goals for us. So if you can have someone in midfield getting you chipping in with 15 a season, maybe, then it's certainly one to look at. But, you know, you certainly couldn't rule it out for the summertime. Yeah, and the next one we're going to come to, I know we spoke about it on the last podcast, and the uh, the rumours are... Still there, not not as not as hot as he was previously. But Jaden Sancho, another one on the radar. Jay, he, he's someone who can play across the front three, isn't he? Young, fills uh, uh, fits the English quota. So, give us your thoughts on um, a potential move for Jaden Sancho. Well, yeah, Jaden Sancho again, another one's been on the radar for quite a while. I know for a fact Jurgen Klopp really liked him when he was leaving City, but there was just no chance City would have allowed him to go to Liverpool, and he ended up at Dortmund, and he's flourished there, hasn't he, really? And Liverpool 100% wanted him last summer, we were looking into it, but it's the numbers, the problem with Sancho, it's the fee that they want. I mean, he sold Dembele for £130 to Barcelona a couple of years ago, and they're probably going to want similar for Sancho, and it's also the English premium, and no matter whether he's in England or not, he's, I know he's in, he's playing in Germany, isn't he, in the Bundesliga, but they just, they know if an English club's gonna come in for him, they're gonna ask for a silly price for him, and I just think sometimes, like, you know, it's like anything in life, isn't it? Everyone's got the price, and I think sometimes it can be deemed a little bit too expensive, and I just think maybe Liverpool have cooled a little bit on him. I don't know, that's just my own personal viewpoint on it, because things have seemed to have gone a little bit quiet as regards Sancho, and what you'd also look at as well, the position that he plays in the team, you would imagine if we were going to sign Sancho, 
especially for the money that with the talk and 120 million potentially, you would think that maybe Salah or Mane are going to leave and there's not really any signs of that. I know there's been all the stuff about Real Madrid with Mane and I, I'm not having none of that myself. I don't think it's true at all. I think if any of the front three were to leave it, more than likely be Mo Salah. But even Salah, I can't see him leaving in the summer. So if you think about it, if we're going to keep the front three together, would we really spend 100, 120 million pounds on a wide player? I'm not so sure because we'd have to change the system, change the shape of the team to a 4-2-3-1 to accommodate them all really, wouldn't we? And I'm just not sure about it. I think maybe things have cooled, but that's just my own personal opinion because I know 100% Liverpool were after them last summer and he was meant to be the number one target this summer. And now with this Nike deal, as I said before, there is money there in the coffers. Liverpool didn't spend hardly anything last summer. We spent seven million this January on Minamino. So, you know, the money should be there if he really truly wanted to do it. And he is only 19, so he's a perfect age, but... I'm just not so sure. It, it, it's an interesting one, but it's gone really quiet of late about uh, Jaden Sancho. Yeah, and another player who's been being linked with us is the French lad Hossim. I think his surname's pr- pronounced Aor. He's a 21-year-old French player, plays for Lyon. Very highly rated. Really, uh, really interesting player for for Jurgen Klopp to be interested in. So, what's your thoughts on um, Aor, please, Jay? Well, yeah, he's another one as well. Again, he's always been on the radar and highly regarded and thought of. I mean, when Liverpool were after Fecher a few seasons back, he was another one that was under consideration under the scouting department. And he's a playmaker, a classy player in midfield, can blow a little bit hot and cold. But as I said before about Havertz, he was great last season. This season's having a little bit of a dip. Maybe it's because he's like had a few little in- injury niggles and they've tweaked his position in the team a bit this season. But the thing where the, the French lad, I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name because it's a mad one, isn't it? Um, but he, he just looks quality. But whether or not it's the consistency levels of him, his performances, he can certainly blow hot and cold. And out of the, the players we've mentioned there in terms of Havertz and um, Jaden Sancho, He's arguably the one that would probably be the cheapest. You maybe be able to get him for around £60 million. And, you know, as we've, we experienced with, with Fecher, the Fecher deal, I mean, their chairman, their president and Leon are very difficult to deal with, aren't they? Um, Aulus, I think his name's, his name is, he's very difficult to do business with. So whether or not Liverpool would want to go back there and revisit that club and try and negotiate for one of their players, I'm not so sure, but Liverpool are, are meant to have this New French scout now, aren't they? Who's like really hot on the the French league over there and the, the the players coming through and what have you? And he's only twenty twenty one years of age and he's a classy playmaker. So maybe he'll be in Klopp's ear and, and Michael Edwards ear saying, "Look at this fella, look at his his stats, and you know he's, he's one for the future. He's going to be a very good player, and we can get him for a respectable transfer fee." I'm not so sure, but again, you know. He's, I'm sure he's a player that's on the radar and he certainly has been ever since the Fakir stuff, you know, a couple of years ago, but we'll have to see with this one, but I'm certainly sure Liverpool are going to sign someone in the summer that's going to be a statement sign and whether or not it's one of them three we've just spoken about, I'm not sure. Yeah, and there's just uh, just one more player to go over before we move on to uh, one other um Two issues and the uh, the previewing of the United game. Uh, the other one is Usman Dembele, Jay from um, Barcelona. He's not been um, 
much of a starter as he since he made the move from from Borussia Dortmund. But it seems that uh, he's another one who's uh, highly regarded by Jurgen Klopp. I know we spoke about him in, in a press press conference. Um, I think it was last season, and he name checked them and said if he if he was on the market, then he'd, he'd definitely be interested. So, um, give us your thoughts on a, a potential move for for Dembele of Barcelona, Jack. Pretty much like we've spoken about on all of the players there that were mentioned. Dembele is another one that Klopp's liked for a long time, back in the days when he was at Rennes in France. And then, of course, he got his move, didn't he, to, to Borussia Dortmund for, for a healthy sum of money. And he wasn't there for very long, and he ended up at Barcelona. And quite right in what you're saying there, Jürgen Klopp's even spoken about him in a press conference, hasn't he, about the potential of a, of a season-long loan, I think it was, at the time. And Klopp was mystified by the, the reports of it and the question, but it's clear to see that he's a player that he really likes and it's an interesting one isn't it because there's talk that he could be available for around 80 million pounds and if that's true I mean we all know it's been well documented that Barcelona still owe Liverpool money for the sale of Philip Coutinho and you just never know do you I mean I know the, the different transfers but because they owe us money you just never know in football. It, it's it, he's a player that Jurgen Klopp really likes, and again, he's he's a wide player though, isn't he? A bit like Sancho. So you'd have to say, well, would Liverpool have to change the system and change the shape to a four-two-three-one to sort of like accommodate them all? And you know, you wouldn't be spending that type of money on a player, and especially someone who Jurgen Klopp really admires and has for a long time to not play him. I mean, he's twenty-two now; he'd be twenty-three. In the summertime, so Liverpool were going to get him in the summer. Obviously, he's going to be turning 23 then, and he's had a great age, perfect age, a few years older than Sancho, so a little bit more experienced, shall we say. Um, but you'd have to question his attitude a little bit. I mean, he's not meant to be the best, is he, in terms of he's a bit lazy, he's, tra- he's missed training quite a bit, and I don't know. It, it's a it's a difficult one to assess, isn't it? Because as we all know, Klopp really likes him, but things change in football, don't they? Relatively okay. quickly, and maybe he's gone off the idea of Dembele. But it's certainly one to look at in in, in the summertime. And as I say, them four players now that you've asked me about and that we've mentioned with this the new sponsorship deal with Nike. I mean, you know, who knows? Liverpool may well dip in and sign one of them four for, for a big amount of money and a bit of a statement signing, if you like. And, you know, it, it all depends on what Klopp and Michael Edwards see fit to do and what they want because I don't think they'll be forced or backed into a corner just to sign a player for the sake of it to make a statement signing. But, you know, let's be honest, all four of them players are, are very good players, very good footballers and they'd improve Liverpool. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, as fans, we wouldn't argue or complain, would we? One little bit, really, if one of them four was signed, and it's going to be interesting. And I'd like to think in the summertime, you know, it's sort of like you're looking at it, aren't you? Thinking like, no, what? You're not going to push me for an answer on it, but it would be nice if we signed one of the four. Yeah, just um, one thing about Dembele as well. I don't think his uh, his injury record is um, is too clever either, and that's one of the things that I know the. The backroom team, Michael Edwards and all the, the 
analytic. If you're snacking on anything but tasty cake, you're making a huge miss cake. A fistful of chocolate-covered raisins, miss cake. A spoonful of peanut butter, bigger miss cake. Or the worst miss cake of all, your kid's Halloween candy. And it's May. If it's not tasty cake, it's a miss cake because nothing satisfies like a perfectly sweet butterscotch crimpet or rich and creamy chocolate peanut butter candy cake. Tasty cake, except no substitutes. For people, they they look at things like that, don't they? So potential move for them. We're, We'll have to wait and see, won't we? But just uh, some more more news closer to home. Jay, is the uh, there's been talk of a new contract for Genie Wijnaldum. Obviously, most of the main squad now are all, all signed up to long term deals, aren't they? And it seems only Wijnaldum's one of the players who, who isn't yet to put pen to paper on a on a new deal. But the sounds of it as coming out of um, uh, the rumours are that that he. Is going to be signing a new contract, and it's uh, it's got to be a no-brainer, hasn't it, really, Jay, to, to sign Genie back up again? I'd like him to sign. Yeah, I think he's a bit of an unsung hero, um, very important player in my eyes. I think the only thing is he's he's approaching thirty years of age, and Liverpool have given new contracts, haven't they, to the likes of James Milner and Jordan Henderson, and I just think maybe the look and thinking. You know, he's not getting any younger, is he? And if Liverpool could maybe get, what, 40, 50 million for him in the summertime, maybe he would deal and, and sell, sell him. But I would like him to stay. And there is the vibe now, a few little whispers going around that he, he has been offered a new contract to stay. And, you know, for him himself, the attitude and, you know, 100% every single game, the effort that he puts into games, I think it's, it's, it's fantastic really because you look at the likes of Henderson and Milner and even Adam Lallana, they're all on in excess of a hundred grand a week. Genie Wijnaldum's only on reportedly 75 grand a week. Now, you know, it's quite a lot less, isn't it, than his teammates? And no one can say them other players are any more important than what Genie Wijnaldum is, really, than the players I've just mentioned. They're certainly not Milner and Lallana because, you know, Wijnaldum is a, a first team regular. The others are just fringe players, aren't they, really? And, I know Jordan Henderson is different because he's the captain of the football club, but you know when you think about it, it's it's a little bit unfair in it in terms of the wages that he's on, and he, and he's he's deserved a new contract in my opinion. I just think it's more down to the fact that you know whether or not they think it's his age, and that's why they might look at it and think you know what, let, let him move on then, and we'll sell him in the summer. But personally, I think it'd be great if he could stay. Because this group of Liverpool players, I mean, we don't really want to split it up, do we? We talked on the last podcast about Lalana maybe getting a year extension and he's been important to Liverpool over the last like couple of months when we've had a few injury issues and, you know, Adam Lalana's the wrong side of 30, whereas Wijnaldum's 29, not quite 30 yet. So to me, it's a no brainer and he has to stay. I'd love him to stay and the rumours are is that he will sign a new contract and, you know, it'll be great for the lad really, won't it? But, you know, it's one that's going to rumble on. So until he's basically put pen to paper, then you know the jury's still out on it all. But would I like him to stay? Of course I would. Yeah, also uh, a big uh, mate of Virgil Van Dijk as well, isn't he? The two Dutch lads together. So yeah, be important uh, in my opinion to to keep him at the club uh, long term as well. Right then, Jay. Just looking forward to the to the game on Sunday. Massive fixture again. 
it always is the the Manchester United game, probably the biggest biggest game in the, in the the Premier League. Even though you've got City at the top of the table, and we have the Merseyside derby for me, the Liverpool Manchester United game is the one that um, that always sticks out in the calendar for me, and one that that obviously every Liverpool fan wants to wants to win and put one over on them. But just give us your thoughts on. And, um, what do you think the the tactics that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is going to utilise on Sunday? Is he going to be similar to what Jose Mourinho done on Sunday and and sort of played a lot of men behind the ball to if it's on the break? Or do you think he'll he'll be a little bit more um, throw caution to the wind if you like and, and try and have a go at Liverpool? How do you see him playing this one, Jay? Well, yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying there. I mean, there's no doubt about it. No matter how bad Manchester United have now become. It's still the, the biggest game in English football. They're the two most successful teams, the two biggest teams, and there's no doubt about that. I mean, for all the, the recent success of Manchester City and you know the success that Chelsea had over over the last couple of decades, all down to money really and getting rich owners, it'll never ever they'll never surpass Liverpool and Manchester United. It's the biggest game in this country. There's there's just no doubt about that at all, and. You know, it's it's mad, isn't it? Because when you think back to the last couple of decades when Manchester United were winning the league title and obviously won a couple of European Cups as well, at times Liverpool weren't that great, were they? And, you know, this is roles reversed a little bit now because obviously Liverpool are at the pinnacle at this moment in time, flying high top of the Premier League, European and world champions. And, you know, you look at Manchester United and... I know the, I think the fifth now in the table, Ardy, something like that, but, you know, the mid table really, Ardy, the quite a few points off the top four, and when you think about it, they're probably nearer to tenth than they are fourth. So, you know, when you, when you analyse the bigger picture, they're, they're a struggle inside, they're not great, they've got a manager who, he's clearly out of his depth. I mean, I had to laugh the other day when he said after they beat Norwich, you were bottom of the table. He was speaking about um, the Manchester City game where they lost in the in the Caribou Cup semi final at home, and basically praising the fact that Manchester City went strong against them at Old Trafford in the semi final of a cup, and said like, you know, you know, you're going places when Man, Man City pick a full strength team, and I'm thinking that's Manchester United's manager. That that's something that Roy Hodgson would have said like, you know, nine ten years ago when he was Liverpool manager. So absolutely baffling that he's still in in, in a job, but. You know, let's get real here. Liverpool have played Manchester United twice since he's been in charge and we've failed to beat them. Albeit both games were at Old Trafford, but they were both really poor, poor games really, weren't they? You know, board draws, you know, the first one last season at Old Trafford ended up nil-nil. We just, we were awful on, on the day. We just couldn't break them down. Disjointed game suited Manchester United because of that reason. And then when we played them earlier on the season, October time, of course, they're the only team this season at Liverpool in the Premier League have failed to beat. I mean, again, another poor performance by Liverpool. We sort of like played the occasion and the, the name Manchester United and the stadium Old Trafford rather than the actual players and personnel on the pitch and the manager in charge of them. I just thought it was very disappointing, really. It was like we had a mental block being at Old Trafford and uh, yeah, okay, you could argue that the goal that they scored shouldn't have stood. VAR should have ruled it out really for a foul on Divock in the build up to it, but you know, it didn't go our way and we were 1-0 down. There was plenty of time left in that game for Liverpool to get back on level terms and win the game and we just, you know, we just never really got going until late on and 
made a few substitutions second half and started to get a little bit on top. We left it too late and thankfully we didn't lose the game. We did get a late equaliser through Adam Lalana, but just frustrating really to to yet again go to Old Trafford and not turn up to the levels we know what we're capable of and put them in the place really because it is a very poor Manchester United team. Even the most loyal and optimistic of of Manchester United fans would admit that. It's not a good time at the moment at Old Trafford. They are a poor outfit and Solskjaer, you know, he does look out of his depth. But to be fair to him, he has ended up getting some decent results against the top teams. And I think that is a lot down to the fact that the way he can set them up now because they are pretty much a counter-attacking team and a mid-table team, basically, who know how to play against the top teams, who allow the opposition like your cities, like your Liverpools, like for argument's sake, even I still think Tottenham are a decent side. I know they soaked up the pressure against Liverpool, but they have still got players, in my opinion, that squad that's better than Manchester United, the same way as I think Chelsea have as well. But when United play these better teams, they tend to drop off and let the, let the opposition have the ball and try and hit them on the counter, soak the pressure up and hit them on the counter-attack with the pace of Daniel James, uh, Marcus Rashford and Anthony Martial. And it's worked for them at times. I mean, they, they had a decent run of, of results, didn't they? They beat Tottenham at Old Trafford um, and they also beat Manchester City at the Etihad, surprisingly. And in that game, the first 20 minutes, they started unbelievably well and went 2-0 up. Could have been 3-0 up. I think Rashford hit the bar as well. So, you know, City did take over and start controlling it more and, and arguably did deserve a point in the end. Thankfully, they never, because obviously the league placings and stuff. But, you know, Manchester United got a massive three points there at the Etihad. And who's to say they can't come to Anfield and do it? I mean, I don't think they will do. I think they haven't got a cat and L's chance, in my opinion. But, you know, there's still that little thought process in your mind that they've done it to City, so they could do it to us, really. You never know. They have got players who could hear you in terms of scoring a goal or two, like in, in, with Rashford and Marshall in particular. But the rest of the team so poor. It's unbelievable. I mean, you know, the midfield and defence is an absolute shambles for me. And the only fear that I've got going into these games now against United is if David De Gea is an absolute worldie. Because how many times has have Liverpool come up against him and he's just been plucking them out of the top corner and, you know, shaving them with different body parts and you name it. Just his feet is, you know, is, is mid-drift a lot. You know, he's, he's just... He's a very good goalie, but he's been made to look average, I think, the last couple of seasons. But he always tends to turn up against Liverpool. And, you know, even if you look back to last season when we beat them 3-1 at Anfield, the two late goals we scored through Shaqiri, both of them took deflections. And that's the only reason how they beat De Gea, because if they were on, you know, if, if Shaqiri's efforts at goal were on, would have went straight at him, I think, in my, in my view. So, but for the deflections, we probably wouldn't have even beat them at Anfield last season. So, you know, it's frustrating really, like every time they come to Anfield or when we've gone to Old Trafford and he's had a worldie because, you know, Liverpool will probably be looking at a few more extra victories against Manchester United over the last few years. But I just think we've got to play the, the, the actual personnel on the pitch and not the name because this Liverpool team is far superior to Manchester United's team. And I think we certainly owe them because, you know, no matter what, Liverpool have won 20 out of 21 Premier League games this season. And it's absolutely frustrating to think the one game we dropped points was against the worst Man United team 
for probably 30 years. So we, you know, on Sunday, it's time to rectify that really. And it's all about getting the three points. Don't get me wrong. Any win will do because it doesn't matter now. You know, Liverpool just need to keep on getting these three points and chaining out these victories and winning this league as quickly as they can. Um, but it would be nice, wouldn't it, to, to give them a bit of a hide and put them to the sword, you know, four or five, because I'm not trying to be in cloud cuckoo land here, but we are more than capable of doing that to this Manchester United team. We really are. I mean, an early goal could be key yeah. because, you know, if Liverpool do get to half an hour and it's still nil-nil and maybe even half-time and it's nil-nil or they take the lead or something, you know, who knows what could happen then. But I just think of Liverpool, you know, get the get the the first goal and score within the first 20 minutes, then the floodgates could, could open really because they, they can't just sit back for the whole 90 minutes. He'd have to come out and play and have a go with us. And I just don't really think they've got the capable, the, the players really to do it. I mean, as much as we sleep Pogba, I mean, he is a player that can probably a, a 30, 40 yard pass to unlock a defence, but he, he's injured, isn't he? Um, Matt Tomlin's probably another, you know, other than Pogba, he's probably the, the next best midfield player that they've got and he's injured as well. So, they're going to have the likes of Fred and Matic in there. And, you know, let's be honest, Fred's been absolutely terrible, hasn't he, since he's joined United for 50, 55, 60 million pounds. Um, and, and Matic is good at what he does, but he, he's slower than me and you. Do you know what I mean? He, it's like our midfield should totally overrun him, really, with the energy levels and, and the quick, quick thinking that we have there. And I, I just can't see them coping with our movement, to be honest. And, I just think they're really poor defensively. I mean, even Harry Maguire was meant to be injured, but he played against Norwich, so he's likely to start this game now, isn't he, on Sunday? But again, he's another one. Turns like a ship. You know, really slow, really slow player. And I, I just can't see them living with us. An early goal is what we need, but I, I can just see Liverpool giving them a hide. And I think with you, if you look at Liverpool's last few results that we've had, I mean... 1-0 against Tottenham, 2-0 against Sheffield United without getting out of second gear, 1-0 against Wolves. Um, I know we give Leicester a hard and didn't we on Boxing Day, but, you know, even before that, we only beat Flamengo 1-0 in the World Club Cup final, 2-1 against Monterey, you know, a really not a great performance against Watford either just before Christmas time when we won 2-0, left it late to get the second goal. So Liverpool have not really given many hidings out lately. The only one we've given it has been Leicester when it could have been 7-8, you name it. Um, we were scintillating on that night on Boxing Night. So I just think Liverpool are due to give someone a hiding. So why not on Sunday against this Manchester United team? Yep, cheers, Jay. Uh, yeah, I'm not too sure about uh, the... Um, the Matic um, thing with the running, but I'll be able to walk faster than him. I know that. I'm not too sure about being uh, being able to outrun him now. <laughs> um, but just looking towards the the Liverpool side for this game, Jay, we've got players coming back from injury. We've got uh, Fabinho now. Looks like he's back in training. Uh, Joel Matip. But do you expect the same uh, lineup that that went to? Tottenham? Do you think Jurgen Klopp says to them them starting eleven, including Oxley Chamberlain? The, go again and um, we'll play that same team. Yeah, I think he'll keep the same team. Pure and simply because Joe Gomez was poor against Tottenham. But the 10 games before that, he was absolutely outstanding. 
and the partnership he's got going with Van Dijk's been excellent because we've kept so many clean sheets now on the spin. It's unbelievable, really. So there's no reason to change. It just caused Matt up spark. I mean, he's probably had a week's training under his belt, something like that. So not really enough, is it? Because he's been out for a few months, really. So he'd have to stick with the same defence. I mean, it's interesting where Klopp wasn't happy with Andy Robertson, but I don't think there's any chance he'll leave him out. It's Manchester United because there's not really any options there, is there? I mean, even like James Milner could play there, but he's injured at the moment as well. So, you know, the defence will just remain the same for me. In midfield, I know Fabinho's returned to training now as well, but again, another situation where he's been out for seven or eight weeks. So, you know, you can't see him coming straight back into the side, can you really? And I just think when you've got Wijnaldum and you've got Henderson, who've done really well, haven't they, of late, in the absence of Fabinho, th- there's just no real reason to rush Fabinho back, is there? I think he'll be on the bench for the game. And Oxlade-Chamberlain's just come back from an injury. He started against Spurs last week. He also played, he come off the bench, didn't he, against Everton in the FA Cup. So, there's no reason why he shouldn't start the game because he's a midfield player that's a little bit different because he likes to link with the forward players. He's also a goal threat from midfield as well. So I think he will probably keep his place and start the game because there's not too many other options because Kate is still out injured and Shakiri is probably a little bit further, you know, behind in his, in his progress from injury than what Oxlade Chamberlain is. So, you know what, I, I can't see there being any changes and of course it'll be the same front three. So yeah, I think the same team that played, that started the game against Tottenham will start this game against Manchester United and you know, we'll have a few of the extra boys on the bench for this game with Matip and Fabinho returning to the match day squad. But I can't see either of them starting the game. So it'll be the same team that started against Spurs. Okay. Cheers, Jay. Right then, just before we, we go, we're going to do our, score predictions like we do on the the podcast every week so give us your thoughts on a on a score line jay and uh, your thoughts for them please yeah well as i said before i think it's about basically getting an early goal because liverpool get an early goal and the floodgates could really open with this manchester united team and as i said last week about tottenham i, I do respect you know i respected tottenham last week because of the Mourinho factor I only respect Manchester United in this game because basically they've got a couple of good attacking players and that's pretty much it. I don't respect the manager Solskjaer because I think he's so far out of his depth. It's painful. It's like basically Roy Hodgson being, being, you know, their equivalent to Roy Hodgson managing them. I think he's totally out of his depth. He's clueless. The only thing I will say is probably going to have Alex Ferguson on the training ground this week in his ear. Trying to, you know, pull a few strings here and there, because there's no doubt in my mind that he did when we played them earlier on in the season at Old Trafford and also when we played them last season at Old Trafford because, you know, this was always the biggest game for Fergie. He's, he's always said it. And even players that have played under Ferguson always said it was the big one against Liverpool and the likes of Gary Neville, Rio Ferdinand, Ryan Giggs. They, they've all said it, the way Ferguson used to drum it into them. This game was the big one. It was the massive one for them. And, you know, there's no doubt he'll be trying to have an influence on the game, but there's only so much you can do. And Liverpool's players are far superior than Manchester United's. And as I say, midfield area and defence for me is absolutely shocking for Manchester United. And I just think Liverpool will give them a hide on Sunday. And yeah, it's all about the three points, most importantly, whether it's 1-0, 2-0, 
you know, two one, whatever it may be, that's the most important thing. The key is to get the three points. But I've just got a feeling we're due to give them a hide. And, you know, I think all things considered, if Liverpool can get an early goal in the first 20 minutes, it wouldn't surprise me if we were to maybe thin a lot by half time. And I just think we're, we're in for the treat on Sunday afternoon. So I'm going to go for a 4-1 Liverpool victory. 4-1 victory is Jay's prediction. OK, my own thoughts on the on the game on Sunday. Yeah, I think Liverpool are far superior to this Manchester United side that's going to be coming to Anfield. Obviously, we're going to have the home crowd behind us. The place is going to be absolutely rocking. Um, but I'm just going to rein my prediction in a little bit more than Jay's. I do think we will. We're obviously going to outpass them. We're going to outplay them. And I think they will uh, try and sit back and hit us on the counter-attack. And um, we're gonna, we may have to be a little bit patient in, in, with the first goal coming, but I think um, we will have far too much for this Manchester United side. Like I say, we've got world class players all over the pitch, and United are struggling to find one or two world class players in this side. And obviously, the goalkeeper and, and possibly um, Rashford is coming into that category. But um, I'm going to go with a three-one victory for Liverpool. I think um, we're going to see Salah on the score sheet this Sunday and possibly Bobby Firmino again I'll go with uh, I'll go for two for Bobby this season not scored at Anfield and I think uh, you'll get two two will come along at once so yeah 3-1 victory for Liverpool is, is my prediction um, for this game on Sunday right just before we go I have to say uh, thanks once again to the LFC Day Trippers for uh, putting out our podcasts on their, their platform Big thanks to the At Liverpool online Facebook, Twitter, Instagram page for putting our podcast out on their platforms as well. Don't forget to keep up to date with the No More Knives campaign, which we've been supporting from last season. And, and Paul um, Bentley and all the lads over there are doing some some really good things in the, in the fight against the knife crime in, in Merseyside and the, the surrounding areas. Uh, I know Paul's been into um, Walton Prison this week and been speaking with a, a few of the offenders there's there trying to get get a reasoning behind what's going on and he's doing some really good stuff so yeah keep an eye on the uh, the no more knives campaign with the guys over there so yeah thanks everybody for listening to the liverpool versus manchester united preview podcast on the cop table and uh, we'll be back with you uh, next week i think it's the wolves game is that right right jay yeah we play wolves don't we on a, on a thursday night which is very strange i mean i I thought them days were gone with the Europa League, but <laughs> we played them on a, on a Thursday night. So they're used to playing Thursday night football because they're actually in the Europa League this season. So yeah, yeah. it's going to be an interesting one. And, you know, obviously it'll be a tough game going to Molyneux. But again, you know, you have to fancy Liverpool. Yeah, so we'll be back with our, our preview. Hopefully we'll be able to squeeze that in at some point before um, we play Wolves next next Thursday so thanks everybody once again for, for listening to the cop table and don't forget share the po- sh- share the podcast on Twitter um, give us your feedback always welcome and uh, me and Jay will always reply to, to people who uh, send us messages on uh, on our platforms so thanks very much again for, the, for listening and uh, speak to you all very soon goodbye so I heard from my sister's friend's cousin that Coles has the lowest prices of the season and had to say for myself for real, the deals are so good. I got my kids summer tees for $5.99, a cute swimsuit for myself for $17.99, and a shark vacuum for $199.99, which will be great after Sandy Beach Days. I got Kohl's cash too, and I got it all in less than an hour with free store pickup. So yeah, summer, I'm ready for you. 
Select styles. Ends May 23rd. Some exclusions apply. See store or calls.com for details. Are you still mixing station gas and oil for your string trimmer, leaf blower, or chainsaw? Eliminate the mess and the guesswork with True Fuel, the original pre-mixed two-cycle fuel. True Fuel is ethanol-free and precision-engineered for small engines, improving performance, and extending the life of your outdoor power equipment. And True Fuel is available for both two- and four-cycle engines. Empower your equipment with True Fuel. Available at your local home and garden center today. Sports Social Podcast Network.